Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Cheryl and I are here together. Cheryl's right here. Wave, Cheryl. Yeah. And uh, Cheryl and I have been married 40 years. Uh, we got married when we were six. And, and so, so we're proof that young marriages work. And, and we have three, three grown children, a uh, uh, son and two daughters, um, Jeff, Amy, and Melissa. Uh, and they're all married, and they all have kids. And we just had our seventh grandbaby seven weeks ago, right? Eight weeks ago yesterday. Eight weeks ago yesterday. And one of the things I love, there, there are two, you know, when you're a father and then a grandfather, there are these two distinct anointings. You know, the anointing is the burden-moving, yoke-destroying power of God. It's just not this Christianese word of, ooh, you know, it's, it's a burden-moving, yoke-destroying power of God is what the anointing simply is. And, and so there is this tremendous burden-moving, yoke-destroying power of God on your life as a father to discipline correct and correct. As a grandparent, there is this great anointing that changes in your life, this season of your life, and there's this tremendous anointing to have fun and give candy. And and so, uh, you know, and, and you know, your kids want popcorn for breakfast. If it's there, if it, you know, as a father, no, you can't have that. But as a grandfather, sure, you know, you want you want M and M's for breakfast. I don't care what you want, you can have it, because uh, you know, it, it gets you all hyped up. I'm sitting in your home anyway. And the, uh, but but the thing is is this really cool thing is, is everybody ought to be somebody's favorite. You know, my kids are my favorites. You know, you can tell me all about your kids, but I'm just going to tell you, my kids are better. You know, my grandkids are the best grandkids in the world. And, and they're my favorite. And I, I, hey, I appreciate your kids and your grandkids, and I think they're great, and they should be your favorite. But I think it's really cool that all of us are God's favorite. And it doesn't change based on my behavior. It doesn't change based on whether I'm lost or saved, whether I'm disconnected from Jesus or, or unconnected from his church. It doesn't change. That God's love, I'm his favorite no matter what's going on. Now, obviously, there are times that I'm, that I'm walking in. You know, there's a big difference in acceptance and approval. Our society and our culture doesn't get that, but the Bible teaches you know, there's a big difference in then I can accept you, but I don't have to approve of everything in your life. As a father, I accept my children, but there's things going on in their life that, that you don't approve. That's why you discipline. As, and, and so my father, my heavenly father, he, he accepts me completely, loves me unconditionally, but there are things that he doesn't approve in all of our lives. And those things he calls sin. And this is why I know he loves me so much. His definition of sin is different from mine. My definition of sin is whatever you're doing. Okay. His definition of sin is, Tony, anything that's stopping you from having God's best in your life. It's a much better definition of sin. My definition of, of sin is, well, let's see what Steve's doing. God, he shouldn't be doing that. And now, you know, that I defy, but God defines it as, Tony, is there anything in your life that's stopping you from having my very best for you? Is there a way of thinking in your life? Is there a, are actions or behaviors in your life? Are there worldviews, Tony, that are stopping you from having my very best? The, Jesus said, here's the reason I came. I came to give you, to give you rich and satisfying life. Now, I love the message translation. It says, I came to give you more and better life, real and eternal life. You know, it's, it's better than you even imagined existed. And not just 
you see, the real and eternal says it's not just in the life to come with him, but that he wants me to have rich and satisfying life right here, right now. And, and so, Tony, what are the things that are stopping me? What I want to talk to you to, about today are, are two choices of places we can choose to live, not San Diego or Georgia. And by the way, if you're struggling with, I say, I don't think I have an accent. I think you have an accent. Uh, and if you're, but if you're struggling, Chris Christian is here somewhere. Where, or he, I, I saw him earlier. He may be out serving. And Chris is from Macon, Georgia, and he lives here now. And so he's volunteered to translate. If you don't understand the Southern dialect, I, uh, I don't know if I told you this last time I was here, I had the opportunity to teach in, in South Sudan uh, at the, at, at, when they were a brand new country. We, were the, we got to teach the first leadership conference in South Sudan to Christians and non-Christians. But, but I got up, and so when you teach in South Sudan, they have their, their official language is English, but none of them speak it. Uh, but but they, they want to connect with the West, you know, because they've been forced to connect with Muslims, uh, a Muslim worldview, and they want to connect with with a Christian worldview, and so they made their first their their official languages is English, but they 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 really speak Arabic. But the problem with that is, is most of them don't speak Arabic, speak Arabic; they speak tribal dialects. And so when you're speaking in Sudan, you tr you speak in English. Somebody translates it into Arabic, and then there'll be four are five different sections with other translators and you have to wait while they translate it into the different languages a lot a lot of uh, some of your some some of your famous uh, NBA players are from Sudanese tribes the warrior tribes the the Dinga tribe the tall tribe uh, Mole, Manute Mole was, was of a tribe. And so he had that dialect. And so it's, it's tough when you're speaking because you speak and then you had to wait for the, this guy to translate it to Arabic and then you had to wait for all of them to translate it into the different. So I started speaking. I got up and started speaking and started telling them about how you're God's favorite. And, and my first translator just stood there and looked at me. You know, he's supposed to be translating from English into Arabic. And he leans over real quietly and he goes, what language are you speaking? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. It's the southern dialect of English. And, and I said, I'll see if I can clean it up a little bit and help you. So if you need that today, uh, Chris, Chris will help you out with that. So I hope you're understanding. But, but what I want us to do is uh, one of my favorite characters from the Bible is a guy named Elijah. Uh, Elijah is this amazing prophet. And, and, and really what I want to talk to you about today is what are you echoing? What are you echoing? And, and I was just sitting here imagining Pastor Ben up here. Because I, I see all of you, especially the front row, their necks are like this. And so here I am. I'm 6'1". And then you got to look at Ben. I bet y'all's necks really hurt by the end of end of. So I'll, I'll try to stand back here as much as I can to help you out. Cheryl, Cheryl talks about it. She says, Tony, one of her first critiques to me is you got too close to the edge of the platform today. Not because she was concerned about me walking off. It's because, hey, I had to do this the whole time. And so... Uh, I'll do my best to do that. And uh, don't you have great pastors, by the way? I, I, we fell in love with Ben and Katie. We were there, uh, you know, we're, we're part of the Association of Related Churches, and we were their assessors. We were one of, part of the team who determined whether or not Ben and Katie could plant. And, and so we sat across the table from them and interviewed them and put them through the hoops. Of, and, and we just fell in love. We had a divine connection with Ben and Katie on that day and, and fell in love with them. And, and a lot of times, now sometimes we have that and the people don't fall in love with us. And, and, you know, so, and I get that completely because, uh, but they did. 
and we have this mutual divine connection we just love each other love being around each other and have been friends since and then you know we have the privilege i don't know if you know this or not but we have the privilege of we're overseers for uh, for canvas church and so that we consider that a great honor so you're always on our prayer list we pray for you all we we believe that canvas church is designed to be is, is destined to be a gatekeeper in the city of, of san diego that that you are you are here to make huge impact in your city and and to determine you know a gatekeeper i believe every local church is supposed to be a gatekeeper gatekeeper is who sits in the gates determines what comes in and out of a city it determines the culture of a city and i, I believe san diego is going to have lots of great gatekeeping already has some and i believe that more and more that canvas will rise and rise and rise and be recognized in your city as a church who is influencing the climate the culture and the world view of your city and 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 so i'm excited about that and that's what i'm praying for you know i want to share some of this with you today and we love being in katy and love hanging out with them and love being here with you and truly honored to be here and I want to talk to you today about where are you living? Where are you? What are you echoing? Are you echoing a high place or a low place? And, and what we see in the life of Elijah, specifically in 1 Kings 18 and 1 Kings 19, uh, is, is that Elijah could move from a high place to a low place, from a low place to a high place. And, and it, we do it too. We as Christians, we do it too. And, and, and the thing it does is, is it determines whether or not you're a parrot, not parent like a children, but a parrot like Polly want a cracker. Are you a prophet? And God's not looking for parrots. God's looking for prophets. He's looking for people who will speak his word into whatever they see, who will echo heaven and change earth. Parrots echo what's going on around them. And, and they, all they do is they touch earth and change nothing. They echo earth everywhere. People who are prophets and, and what God has called you to be. And this is what Jesus, Jesus called us. He said, you are kings and priests unto my father. In the book of Revelation, he tells us that we have this, as a Christian, once you're saved, see everybody in this room today, you're in, initially you're in one of two categories. You are either, you are either Christian or pre-Christian. Uh, and you're, you're a Christian or a pre-Christian. If you're a Christian, you're in one or two categories. Jesus said in Mark 6, he said, if you desire to be my disciple, so you either, you either are wanting to be a disciple or you don't yet, but you're going to. Because you just can't hang out with the Holy Spirit without falling more and more in love with Jesus, more and more, like, like, like the songs Jeff and the team led this morning that said, man, all I want is you all, all of my life. Well, that... You know, that happens as we, hey, I may be a Christian, but I don't desire to be a disciple yet. But you keep hanging around with Jesus, and it won't be long. You'll be going, man, I want to grow. I want to love his word. I want to love his church. I want to love my small group. I want to learn. I want to love prayer. I want to do those, those healthy habits of, that disciples do. Because the only thing that separates a disciple from the ones who don't, who don't desire to be a disciple yet is what they do. Is those habits they're developing in their life. And, and, and so... You know, what Jesus has called us to be is, is, is pr have this prophetic anointing to speak his word and, ch and to touch heaven and change earth. And, and uh, because, see, if we're saved, if Jesus is our Lord, then not only have we got, are we heaven bound, but we're no longer living for ourselves. Yeah, well, I thought he wanted me to have rich and satisfying life. Yes, for the good of the kingdom. You know, in fact, there, you know, everybody always, the number one question people ask all over the world, no matter, you know, 
Christian or pre-Christian is why am I here? What's my purpose? Well, the Bible very clearly in the book of Genesis tells us that you're here for three reasons. That you're here to express his personality. You're made in his image. That you're here to exhibit his power. You're given his likeness. And you're here to extend his kingdom. That he's given you dominion over all the works of his hand. So why am I here? I'm here to express his personality. That when people see me, they ought to see what, you know, they ought to see what God's like. That they ought to see what Jesus looks like and acts like and what Jesus, how he would respond to, you know, remember the old, what would Jesus do? And well, people ought to be able to, instead of wearing a bracelet, they ought to be able to look at you if you're, if you're a Christian and say, that's what he would do. Now, I'm like you. There are times that in my life where, where I have to go, hey, don't look at me right now. <laughs> this is not so, you know, those times. But, but, you know, and, and so this thing we have for us is that's a prophetic anointing. That is, the prophetic anointing is, hey, I express person, his personality, I exhibit his power, and I extend his kingdom. That's why I'm here. That's why I am sucking air on this planet today. If, 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 all, if salvation was all about getting me to heaven, then we would just go ahead and we led people in a prayer this morning. We led somebody in a prayer. Yeah, yeah, hey, you raised your hand, you did whatever, and you gave your life to Jesus. Then we'd have somebody next to you who shot you and sent you on to heaven. That would really cut down on salvation prayers, I know. But the... Uh, but I mean, if that was the extent of, but, but the, you know, where he leaves us here on purpose, now I am a representative, an ambassador for Christ. I'm here to represent him, not represent me anymore. So, because he's got my back. He, he Jesus says, he knows, your father knows your needs. You know, yes, ask, but your father knows. And so now my concerns as a Christian shift from what's, it's all about me to I'm an others focused. You know, it's not about me. God's got my back. What's the worst thing that can happen to me on this planet now that I'm, Jesus is my Lord is that you kill me. Well, you know, the Bible says, well, that means I've gained. You know, that, hey, you know, to, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. I win. I win. I'm a winner in Christ. And, and, uh, and so my purpose on this planet then is to walk in that prophetic anointing, not the parrot anointing. Polly want a cracker. And if we don't watch it, we don't. It's not just Polly want a cracker. It's Polly want disaster. Polly want death. Polly want dismay. Polly want depression. Polly want disappointment. Polly want disillusion. Do you know what disappointment is? You know what the real meaning of disappointment is? It means you missed an appointment. And too many of us miss divine appointments because we're echoing what earth has to say. And we see this in Elijah and in, in, in what he's echoing. You know, and the thing about this, because he, he echoes some things from the high place, he echoes what heaven's seen. In the low place, he starts echoing what's around him. Whenever you're living in the low place, you will echo, this is important, write this down. If you're lit, one of the ways you can tell where you're living is what are you echoing? And if you're in the low place, you will echo the complaints of those around you. You'll find yourself, you'll echo the complaints of what's going on around you. And if you're living in a high place, you don't echo complaints. You're seeing what heaven sees, what heaven says should be and could be, and you begin to echo that. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and it's just huge. And so, so we look at that, and, and let's just start with 1 Kings 19, the low place. In 1 Kings 19, 8 and 10, this is Elijah, the great prophet. It says, so he arose. And now, let me set it up for you a little bit. He has had, chapter 18 that we're going to go back to, he has had victory after victory after victory of just smashing the enemy's plans. 
I mean, just smashing the enemy's plans. He went 500. He was outnumbered 500 to 1 on a high place, Mount Carmel. And Cheryl and I have been to Mount Carmel. And the reason the high places are so important, in that high place of Mount Carmel, all the roads heading into, into Israel, all those roads came by that high place. You had to pass that high place to get into Israel. And so those were trade routes. And the trade determines the culture. And so everybody that walked in, they'd look at the high places, and the high places would advertise who is the God of this country. On the high places, who is the God? Who is, who is, who's the gatekeeper of this country? And, and so Elijah would always call out the enemy to a high place. Why? Because he's going to establish in the high place that God determines what comes in and out of this country. Not me, not you. That this country is ruled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so he, he would go to the high places. God would always, because God wants everyone to see that he is the one true God. And so he's up on the high place, and, and he has these great, and he has that 500, you know, a lot of us know the story, the 500 to 1, he calls all the false prophets up there, and, and, and remember they stack, he says, okay, you know, you, you stack up your wood and do all this, and call down fire, and whoever calls down fire, his God is God. And so remember, they're doing all their chants and all their witchcraft, and they're doing all the things that, that we do to our false gods today, calling, and then I love, you know, in, in one version, if you go read behind the scenes, Elijah begins making fun of them. And he says, hey, your God can't hear. Your God may, and he even says to him, maybe your God's sitting on the potty. And, and, uh, and so finally after they, he gives them all there, then he, remember, he pours water all over all the wood and soaks the wood. And, I mean, he, he digs a ditch around it and builds a moat around it. He just soaks it. He makes it impossible for any human to, get, to make the fire come. And then he says, oh, God, you are God. And he worships and the fire falls. And burns up all the water, and it kills the 500 prophets, too. <laughs> and so this huge victory, and he just has this victory after victory, you know. And, and, and then, now we see him, here's the, here he is in 1 Kings 19. He's just had this win, I mean, he's a winner. He's enjoying rich and satisfying life. How, how many of you know, that's rich and satisfying life when you call on God, and it, and it happens. I mean, miracles, it's just like, whoo, God is showing up big. That's rich and satisfying life. So he's been having that, but now we find him in, in verse uh, 8 and 10. It says, so he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food. Notice whose strength he's going in. He went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Orb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now, he's in a low place. Now, I'll tell you exactly what he's trying. He's trying to go into depression. This whole cave thing is about, one of the things about it is the spirit of depression. I, I used to be one of those guys that when he talked about depression, I thought, you know, I would say, man, just get over it. And then, I rem and, and then we went through a disaster in a church and, and where people just did things they shouldn't have done. And I remember I was sitting and, and, and sitting and we'd, after the aftermath and the dust was settling and I was sitting on a, uh, we had property, and, and, and so I was out there, the pastor, you know, and now I'd, I was doing all the, I was cutting all the grass, trimming the hedges. It was a hot and dusty day, and I remember I was sitting out there taking a break, 
And I remember, you know the little movie thing where you got the angel and the devil on your, you know, on one side and the devil on, and I'm sitting there and, and just feeling sorry for myself. And I hear, hear this voice say, you don't deserve this. And I, I echoed the voice. You're, I don't deserve this. There ought to be people here. You shouldn't be alone doing this. I, there ought to be people here. I shouldn't be alone doing this. And I'm echoing this voice. And, this isn't right. You know, this isn't right. And, and I'm, and all of a sudden, I hear this other voice, the voice of my shepherd, and he said, now you do understand who you're having a conversation with. And I realized then, I thought, I will never again say to a person struggling with depression, get over it, because if they would, they would, if they could, they would. But I do understand the, how it works, is you start echoing that voice, and it gets, drives you further and further into that cave. And, and, and you got to quit having that conversation. you got to quit having that conversation. But if we don't watch it, see, we'll start echoing things we shouldn't be echoing. Listen to what he's saying. I am forsaken. I'm all alone. God really, God really gets upset with him. God said, don't you ever underestimate how many people I have. Don't you ever underestimate who's on your side. You know, we always say, well, me and God's an army. But listen, God says it's not just me and you. He said, I got 5,000 right over there in that village that you don't even know about. Don't you ever tell me again that you're alone. And then I love the way he said, what are you doing in this cave? That's basically, if you read the context, what are you doing in this cave? Don't you know who you are in me? Have you forgotten who I am and who you are in me? I mean, he just called, and I, man, I love the tenderness of him after he rebukes him, and then he doesn't call him all the way out of the cave. He says, just, hey, I know right now you don't feel like you can come out of your cave. Could you just come to the mouth of your cave and listen for me? And, you know, and then we know the story, you know, did he come into earthquake? No, is that me? Did I come in, the, you know, in the light? You know, is that me? Then he heard the gentle breeze. And see, it wasn't about the earthquake that he doesn't come in an earthquake, doesn't come in light, because he can't. What it was about is, are you listening? What are you hearing? And what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And then see, in the low place, what you see is what you see. But the Bible tells us that what we don't see is greater than what we do see. That in fact, the things that we see are produced by what we don't see. We, our lives are the result of, of things we have seen and said. There are things that we're echoing. You know, the situations in our life, if you look back on them, we prophesy our lives. We, our lives are, you know, I, I believe in the see it, say it, sow it principle. You see it, you say it, now you sow it. And so what are you seeing and what are you surrounding yourself with? And, and, and it's just huge. You know, if we begin to echo and say, what we do, if we fail, this is the great prophet. And he fell into the same trap that we'll fall into. He began echoing what the enemy was doing. You're all alone. You're going to fail. I'm all alone. I'm going to fail. And he began echoing. He's a parrot. He's got the parrot anointing. And, it's, and you know, the parrot anointing turns you into a puppet. And you have no power. But then we see, let's go back to 1 Kings 18. Just this amazing thing. 1 Kings 18. Verse 41 through 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Now this is a prophetic word that's been released over your church. 
that you have been saying and released over here is that, hey, there is the sound of an abundance of rain, that we believe there's a great harvest coming. There's a great, all right, well, so here's the story of where that prophetic word that you're speaking over your own church, here's that, here, and he says, go up and eat. There's a sound of abundance of rain. Now, I want you to notice, is it raining? But what's he hearing? He's hearing what heaven hears instead of what's, what's going on around him. There's a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top. Of, he went to a high place. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. Now I want you to get this. This is his servant, but his servant isn't yet seeing what heaven sees. And if we don't watch it, even those around us might not be with us yet. They might just be for us. In Matthew 5, the great Sermon on the Mount that you know, almost everybody knows the Beatitudes, who did Jesus teach that to? He didn't teach it to the crowd. I always thought it taught it, taught it to this huge crowd. If you go read, especially I love the message translation on it, in Matthew 5, 1 and 2, it says, And Jesus climbed up to the mountain, mountain and he taught his climbing companions, those who climbed with him. There's a big difference in people are for you and who's with you. And Jesus taught one of his introductory message that outlined, hey, here's going to be the crux of our ministry he taught it to who was with him, not just the ones who were for him. Because there will be people who are for you, but don't yet get it. They're not with you. They're not seeing what you see. They're not hearing what you hear. And if you don't watch it, you'll start hearing what they hear and see what they see. God has a great plan for your marriage. And, and, and your husband or your wife might not be with you right now. They might be for you, but they, they might be off, you know, hey, I'm not really pursuing God's plan for our marriage. I'm just, I just think we ought to have an okay marriage. Or I just think, you know, I'm just in this marriage to survive. Or I just got married because, you know, you're supposed to get married. But I just don't think marriage can be that great. And if you start hearing that and echoing that, you're losing all your power. You're becoming a parent instead of a prophet. And what you've got to say is, yeah, but here's what God says about our marriage. Here's what God says about our kids, that when our kids are in rebellion, you see that, but, but you know, and you hear that, and even those who are for you sometimes are, well, shoot, boy, I just don't know if your kids are going to make it. Okay, but what does God say about my kids? He says, He says they are the, they, they are the, my reward, that they are the fruit, the, that they are fruit, that they are, that they are a blessing, that they are arrows in our hands, as a, the hands of a mighty warrior. So what am I saying about my kids when they're in rebellion? Am I echoing what earth's doing, or am I echoing what heavens say, seeing and say? Are you getting this? Well, you know, my, my, my job situation, you know, well, well, it's just, it's a tough market right now. And job, well, that's what the earth says. But the, but heaven says that everything I put my hands to, I will succeed. Wherever I put my foot, he will give it to me. That he'll give me witty ideas for my business that will take my business into areas that will expand whole new markets for me. That, that he'll expand the borders of my tent. That's what heaven says about my business. That God is looking for businessmen and businesswomen who will finance the kingdom. And in order to do that, he's got to bless them. But if you just echo what's going on in the, what the world says about the business environment, and have that parrot anointing instead of that prophetic anointing, then you echo earth and you change nothing. 
But you echo heaven, you change everything. So as servant, you got to say, sometimes the people who are your friends, sometimes the people who are your Christian friends are for you. But this was his buddy. This was his servant. This guy was with him. Do you see it? No. In fact, how many times? Elijah's down there. Oh, Lord, thank you. I see. I hear the sound of rain. I see rain coming. Hey, you see anything? I don't see anything. Oh, Lord, thank you. I see it. I see it. I, I believe it. I hear the sound of rain. I know rain's coming. I see it. There's a cloud. Out. You see it? I don't see anything. When I, he, too many of us quit on the first, second, third, fourth. I don't see anything. It's not happening. My marriage isn't going to make it. My kids aren't going to, my kids aren't going to come to Christ. Uh, you know, we, we aren't going to, we aren't going to make it financially. And we quit on the first, second, third time that we look out there and we don't see yet what heaven says we should have. And even the people around us begin to join in with the chorus of the parrots. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. We're all going to fail. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Let's go eat worms. Okay? But the whole time, in the heavenlies, heaven says, this is how it should be. And this is how it could be. This is what San Diego is supposed to look like. This is what your community is supposed to look like. This is how church life is supposed to look. This is what local churches are supposed to be. This is how, this is what it should be. You're, you are the power field people of God. You express His personality. You exhibit His power wherever you go. Sickness can't stand in your way. Doubt can't stand in your way. Unbelief can't stand in your way. All those things have been moved out of your way. You will extend my kingdom wherever you go because you are my people called by my name. And anything you put your hands to, I'll cause to prosper. And if you'll just step forward, I'll give you the land. And we go, yeah. And we go, I don't know. I don't see that yet. Does it make sense? And you get to choose. And he says, you see anything? And it came to pass the seventh time. He said, there's a cloud. Small as a man's hand. Way off in the distance over there around the mountains, that might be a cloud. Now, I want you to look what people who live in the high place do. It doesn't take much for them to get excited. He didn't drop back down on his knees and go, okay, well, let's call the intercessors together and let's get a pr pray for the breakthrough. He jumped up. He said, okay, you think it's a cloud way over there? He says, yeah, I think it might be a cloud. He says, great. It's happening. There it is. I told you it was going to happen. And he, and he takes off a little bit. He says, it says in, and he says, in, he says, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops. He says, man, it's about to come a deluge. It's going to get so messy around here with the rain, you won't be able to get out of here. Wait a minute. You understand I said this. It's way off in the distance, a little bitty cloud. But hear the prophetic. Hear, here's what he's saying. Here's what God says. Here's what God says. Here's what God says. That even when he's finally, the servant's beginning to see it, he still has that, let's go back to the cave tendency and echo what we're seeing. No, no, he says, man, you go. You tell Ahab. And then here's, what, here's what's really cool. It says, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, when you choose to live in a low place when you echo the complaints of everything going on around you you, know, you got to remember like that voice said to me now you do understand who you're in conversation with 
and what your enemy wants for you. Kill, steal, and destroy. Why do you echo that? But when you begin to echo the high place, there'll be such a strength come upon you that even the kings of this world can't stop you. He outran Ahab with his king's horses and chariots. He outran him. He outran There'll be such a supernatural strength on your marriage, on your parenting, on your finances, on your church that no weapon formed against you will prosper and every word spoken against you will fall to the ground harmless and you'll outrun the plans of those who would hurt you and those who would stop you. Was that helpful?